Welcome to the Success Journey Show. Let's travel together through the lives of individuals on the road to success. Yo, what's going on, Traveler? This is Ricky Ventures and Marlon Madden, and we're back with you again for another week of the Success Journey Show. How's everyone doing today? Marlon, what's good, bro? How you doing, man? All I'm saying is, I know people are not going to hear this until two weeks, but all I'm saying is, if you, I'm from, Ricky, well, I'm originally from Jamaica, but New York, you know what I'm saying? We can't, we don't like nobody from New England. Boston and up, we don't like you. It's sports. <laughs> Talking about sports. And, and, and there's this guy that moved down to Tampa, mm. little guy, man. And I don't know why people are denying this dude that he is the GOAT. Go, the best, go. To me, the best football player ever. I don't, I, 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 I'm not just going to say quarterback. Football player and down. I couldn't stand this dude for years. Couldn't yes. stand him. <laughs> but now you gotta love him. I'm like, yo, if you're a person that loves like just success, loves seeing people win, um, or just loves you, you in it, you know, you being yes. successful, you gotta start respecting people that have gotten to that level. And I didn't knowing when you see someone that is just on that level, that phenom, successful, goat, whatever it is guru, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And you just have that level of respect for him. You can't deny it, man. So when you see this dude, I know you guys are going to see this a week late, you know, after the Super Bowl has already happened. Um, but, you know, it just what he's done, you know, will carry on for, you know, his his part of his legacy. So we can talk about it anytime. And yeah. uh, my boy, my good friend, Tom Brady. <laughs> my good friend, Tom Brady. Hey, I did put up a couple pictures with him and Grump. Yeah, I know. I saw it. It was crazy how social media is like, people are like, oh, man, you're there. Oh, and I'm man, like, look, look, look at the shirt, man. It's a Patriots. Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I've seen Brady win four. I've seen Brady win three Super Bowls and lose two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Well, I remember well, you, weren't even, you weren't even rooting for him one time, and he oh. wanted you went down there and you started taking oh, pictures with him. Oh, t- let me tell you this. Let me tell people. So I was in the, I was right, I was in there when, um, where, where was it? It was down in um, uh, I forgot what state, but t- um, Tampa was kicking. No, um, uh, the Falcons was kicking that butt, mm-hmm. and I was being obnoxious. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the people. The people were like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? So yeah. we go back up, we get our food at halftime. I'm still, I'm still, you know, I think I tell me who I, I met right there, Icky Wright. And I and I was talking to um 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 oh boy that fought the last guy that fought the last real boxer that fought me Mayweather. Um um Haitian cat. But anyway, I'm talking to him and we're like, yeah, we're talking, and all I hear is <sighs> So I was like, oh, snap. I'm going, man, Tom Brady was already commenced. That second, I I didn't speak. I didn't say nothing. But I still went down there and took a couple pictures with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like, yeah. down there, like, dude, this guy, I didn't even know he was a, a, a football fan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but Ricky, I got to let it fly, too. And this is going to something um to apply in every um, portion of life. We, we, we're cheapening, just like we have cheapening the word entrepreneur, Everybody's an entrepreneur now, right? Everybody yeah, wants yep, to yep, everyone. give that facade of being an entrepreneur that we have cheapened that word entrepreneur that real guys that are really doing it. You have the Mark Zuckerberg's, you have the all these different guys that are really doing it that people, they, they, don't, they don't look at them as whatever. Same thing with, with sports. 
So we have Mahomes, and I'm not going to say he's not a good, great um, football um, quarterback, but you can't start giving this guy. Brady just now won seven, right? And people are just now like, you know what? Yeah, he, he, he's the GOAT. This guy, he's, he's going to guy that only won one, and they're trying to say that this guy is one of the, probably the best quarterback ever the NFL have seen already, and he's only won one. So now when you say the GOAT is cheapening because you guys are giving these accolades to these people that don't deserve it. So that's the, that's my let it fly section, man. Give accolades. You know, it's funny. I'm going to say it's not funny, but I had another one say, some person say that about um, our, our Ravens guy, you know. Um, you know everyone's yeah. going crazy about him last year and, you know, he didn't improve nothing yet. Getting to the Super Bowl and what happens, man. He lost to the guy that people lifted up on the total. Correct. You know, on, on the pedestal this year. So, yeah, guys, you know, for one, be that people to just do it. You know, just just be about it. You know, don't look for people to give you accolades. Don't look for people to say, oh, to, to pick you up and, oh, man, look at this person doing all this stuff. You know, fall in love with doing stuff and just letting the evidence of what you've done speak for you, you know? And don't think because you do something once that you arrive somewhere, man. You have a right. whole journey. And I'm glad we're saying a journey, journey, journey. You, you're on a journey, man. Once you get to the first stop, don't mean you're, you're done traveling. You got to keep going. You got to get back in your right. car, you know, and, and keep driving to the next site, to the next stop, and, and keep going and keep going. When you get to the gas station the first time, don't get excited because you feel your tank up once because guess what? <laughs> <laughs> All that gas is going to leave again. You got to fill it up again, yeah, you yeah, know, or else you ain't going nowhere. Yeah, you know, it's just... Come on, guys, man. We can do this. We can do this. Yeah, but, we can man. Do this. And every billionaire, majority, well, now it's going to be changing because of how fast guys are um, gaining wealth. But the majority of billionaires that you know did not accumulate that status until over 50. So stop, just keep grinding. Keep yeah, doing yeah, it, like we yeah, said. Yeah, stop yeah. doing that. And to segue right into where you can find us to hear this, this great information that we give you guys. Hey, the success journey show.com. That is our website on our website. You can find everything, but if you want to find us on Instagram and Facebook, it is success journey show. If you want to find us on Twitter, it is success underscore show or YouTube. If you're listening to us in the car right now, I'm not telling you to go look to turn us off and put on YouTube, but I want you to crash. However, you can find us on YouTube on the success journey well, the success journey show, and you'll see Ricky and I face on there and you could listen to us on, on there. Also 21, the net, it is an in-net radio station. We're there. They have about 2 million listeners at any given time. Um, we're also on there. And of course we want to thank one of our sponsors or our only sponsor, uh, uh, Prince William County, uh, a uh, fundraiser. They, they, they're, they're, They've been doing great things. This last year, they fed, I think, upwards of 40-something thousand families here in the Prince William County. So I want you, the um, Prince William um, County, it's the Prince William Foundation. I want you guys to go look at them, donate to them. They're try we're trying to buy a building and to, to help, house it, help house the uh, uh, produce that we have that we're trying to uh, feed everyone. So definitely do that for us and um, keep it locked in. That's right. That's right. So without further ado, man, we are going to jump into this week's guest. 
So, like we always have every single week, all of our travelers out there, man, we are extremely excited. We have another guest with us. Um, and this guest, man, is special. You know, I hate doing this because every week we're like, oh, we got a special guest. You know, you know, let's just say they keep getting more special, more special, you know, every single week. Um, and we just really appreciate her time and her coming on this show and just sharing her journey with us. And it's none other than Kylie Patterson. Kylie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank How you, are you? Great. I'm feeling good. Good. Well said. Yep. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key, man. That's the key. So Kylie, why don't you start off by just sharing with our travelers and, and I got to give you a little context. So we call them travelers because you know, everyone is that listen to listens to us is on a journey with us, right? Or we're on a journey with them. You know, they're they're traveling, trying to reach their level of success and achievements and things of that nature. And we equate it to a journey. And on that journey, you know, we say, hey, you know, you're going to have uh, different ups, you're going to have different downs. And Marlon and I are here with you to travel with you along your journey. So that's where the whole traveler comes in. As you, so you're not thinking like, who in the world is guy talking about? But um, <laughs> so why don't you just start off by just sharing a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go deeper into it. I think it's actually great that they're called travelers because I consider that uh, my story is much very much one of travel. So um, I'll start off by saying I'm from California originally. My father was in the Navy. And then very kind of early on in my upbringing, we moved to New Jersey, um, North New Jersey, and uh, such a culture shock for me because I was a true Californian, Southern Californian young lady. Uh, I really like the word like. And so um, <laughs> that moved to North New Jersey and uh, people were like, whoa, who is this? Who is this, you know, very much Valley girl. Um, but it was a great experience. And then we moved to Pennsylvania and my father was from West Virginia. My mother was from North New Jersey. So in West, in West Virginia, you know, you hunt and all this other stuff. And so I'm out there like hunting with my dad and my mother is just in the house shaking her head like she can't believe it. And then meanwhile, my mother was at home and teaching me very much about like her about her upbringing, right, in terms of being, of being raised in the urban area. So that was kind of an interesting way for me to like live my summers. I would go to North New Jersey and I would go to uh, Beckley, West Virginia, the metropolis, and, I, <laughs> and having to learn what, what that was like. Um, but then uh, I had the fortune of going to Temple University in Philadelphia, and that really opened some doors for me. And so in my very first, after my very first year, I went to Maine, Bangor, mm. Maine, um, as a part of uh, the AFL-CIO Union Summer Program. And what was so cool about this, now keep in mind, talk about travel, right? So I get on this plane, I travel there. Um, me and this other woman, black woman, we both are, were stationed there. And when I tell you, the two of us stopped traffic. I mean, in Bangor, Maine, two, two new black women, people are like, whoa, whoa. Um, and the best part was, is that they rented us a stick shift car to drive while we were there that summer. Now she never drove at all. And I only ever drove automatic. And so you can imagine oh, <laughs> uh, the trip we had um, going home. But anyway, that was just one experience of traveling. And I had a great um, experience at um, Temple. And then while in my senior, uh, junior, senior year, I became a Truman Scholar. And so that actually comes along with, and sorry, that's um, Truman Scholar. So, it is the uh, living memorial to Harry S. Truman, the president. Mm -hmm. And so while many other presidents have other types of memorials, that was his memorial. Um, and so great honor. And then that sent me to uh, Missouri of all states. Got to meet people from all over the country um, who had also gotten the Truman Scholarship. And it was just all like, it was all like 
everything was kind of culminating to this great moment. Well, at least I felt like, and then I became student by president at Temple um, and then ran and done all of that stuff. So I was really feeling myself to be quite honest. And then um, I got my first job, a big girl job and I worked for the future of a trust and I get there and um, I'm telling people all about my ideas. I'm like, well, I have this great idea. And they're like, you <laughs> are brand new. Like, you have had no work experience. And I'm like, no, no, no. But I'm a student by the president. Like, you know, my voice matters. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, that's great. Um, but I think that, you know, so I'm in D.C. doing this work. And I was kind of miserable, to be honest. I was doing uh, policy research. And so I spent a lot of time just looking at screens, not talking to people. Mm. I look back, actually, at I was looking at my journal the other day, and actually I wrote to myself, if everyone else can be quiet, why can't you? <laughs> like, mm. be quiet, you know, like, just sit there and just stare off into space or, or at the screen. I just couldn't do it. So I had, I had the fortune of having a mentor, yeah. and her name was Rebecca. And Rebecca um, is, uh, is like 6'2", and she drinks whole milk, and she's from Iowa. And I remember mm -hmm. being like, Rebecca, like, you are amazing. And she said, you should go to University of Minnesota. And my exact words were to her were, I said, I don't drink whole milk. I'm not from <laughs> Iowa. I'm not 6'2". Like I have no, you know, no business in Iowa or in Minnesota. And she was like, no, it's like very dynamic. It's very diverse. And next thing you know, I'm on the Greyhound bus oh, um, traveling to Minnesota. Oh, wow. I'm telling you. And so, <laughs> um, but, oh man, talk about, I love my time in Minnesota. I love my time, time in Minneapolis. It is, you know, if not for the weather, I would be there right now. I mean, it's just a beautiful city, beautiful people. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, sometimes life has a really weird way of calling you home. Um, and so I was in grad school doing my thing. And literally I talked to I'm, I'm my mom and my sister um, and my dad all live in Pennsylvania. And so at this point we had, started, we had a routine of doing a call every Monday at 8 p.m. Oh. And which was great. So it was like 7, 7 p.m. my time, 8 p.m. theirs. And so we do our little call, say, I love you, da, da, da. And so one day in October, um, we did that and 8, 8 p.m. And I had really bad acne. Oh, by the way, that happens too. I had really bad acne. I grew up with a stutter. So there's a whole lot of stuff, like, <laughs> so you know, I was going through a lot. So anyway, um, I had really bad acne. So my dad said, so my mom said, well, it's all that cheese and bacon you eat. And I was like, oh, you know, all sad. And my dad, my dad was like, no, Kyle, you eat all the cheese and bacon you want. Like, you know, you only have one life to live, right? And um, 3.26 a.m. Uh, that very next day, um, in the early morning, my sister called and said, daddy just died. And it was just like so crazy. Like, we, like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get the words. Like, I'm just like stumbling over them. And I'm like, basically tell, tell her to call 911. And she's like, Kylie, I did that, you know, <laughs> before I called you. But in the moment, I, like, I just felt so... Um, powerless because they're in Pennsylvania. I'm in Minnesota, you know, and my sister was in uh, high school. So she was still very much, you know, underage or whatever. Um, so I had not had to wait for the plane, you know, to, to fly back. And I felt so powerless. And I was like, man, this is not it. Like, you know, it's, it's okay to be away for school, but in moments like that, you just want to be home. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so anyway, nevertheless, I, still, I finished my program. I worked for a year. My mom says, time to come home. And I agreed with her. Um, and then I went to go work for a consulting firm. And I was young and bright and bushy-tailed. So they said, oh, why don't you be a traveling consultant? Like, that's the best thing. Like, it's like so luxurious. Like, you fly everywhere. And, uh, <laughs> and I did. I did that for a year and a half where I was literally flying all over the United States, 
consulting small businesses. Um, it was amazing. I learned so much. I was so tired. <laughs> um, but, you know, I got to go to Ajo, Arizona, um, which is so cool because that's one place because um, it's so far like west and south that you actually get very close to the Mexican American border. Mm. And they actually, mm. excuse me, you actually go through, um, uh, I guess the road checks and all of that, you know? So it was just yeah, yeah, surreal yeah. for me. I was like, what, like, you know, this is America, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so did all that, then uh, decided I was gonna go back to DC, worked in DC, then happenstance, ended up work, going to Baltimore and working for Johns Hopkins. And now I'm back in DC working for the Senate. So. It's a long story. A lot of you notice there's some travel involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's been good, and now I'm more or less settled. Um, <laughs> here in Baltimore. Man, man, the travelers, man. I mean, I hope you've been listening so far. Um, if you're just catching on our premiere on on YouTube, you need to go back and listen to the podcast, rewind it, whatever, because man, Kylie has just shared, um, uh, man, a tremendous ride so far, man. Uh, the, some high, some lows, and we don't want you to miss that. But, you know, you know, I, I, I like how you painted the picture of just the different experiences that you had from even growing up, uh, trans transitioning from the Cali to the Northeast, uh, to the Pennsylvania area and things of that nature. And you guys didn't know she did slide it in there that she knows how to use a gun. So um, <laughs> she did put that in there. Um, and uh, but when when you were, you know, you know, to, trying to decide what direction you want to go in, especially when you were you know, in that college area, you get mm. ready to decide, you know, what did I want to exactly what I want to be? You know, yeah. what kind of were your influences in your decision of kind of the road that you took? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So. I think what's interesting is, is that growing up, my father, so my father's from West Virginia, like I said, he um, he was among one of the few families in his neighborhood uh, that were literate, like that could read. And this is like, you know, this is my father, right? Who had that experience. Yeah. And so his father had taught him very much the power of education and that education would make the difference to um, success, right? Like and you can name that as however you like. And then what was interesting for me is that, you know, and I'll share this um, freely, is that, you know, ultimately, ultimately my father ended up being a, a failed businessman. You know, he actually became a doctor, became a doctor of osteopathic medicine, faced um, impossible adversity, uh, could not, for instance, locate a place to rent in West Virginia mm. because of racism, um, point blank, or prejudice, I should say. Um, yeah. He ended up actually, like, li essentially living like a hobo for while he was in... Um, uh, he was in medical school. So for all of that, you know, he had all this education and then he, you know, he chose to serve as a uh, general practitioner and just did not have like the business sense. And so that really kind of like shook me, you know, in terms of like, I still value education, certainly, clearly, but it made me realize that there's more to this business thing um, than meets yeah. the eye. On the flip side, my mother, you know, grew up very much like her father was a butcher, her mother was a nurse. Um, she grew, she grew to be an accountant. And so my mother was always very big about counting the dollars and cents. Tell you, God, God has a way of pairing you with people. And you're like, are you sure? You know, you, <laughs> what's the big idea? Yeah. But, um, but by having those two experiences in my upbringing made me really want to focus on economic security for all people and for people of color. So that is like, that's my commission. 
Um, like that is like that is what that is my like that's what I'm sitting on this earth to do is folk is work on that. And actually, I neglected to share this when I went to Maine. Uh, my project was looking with people who had just recently been laid off, and this was when a lot of manufacturing was being um, uh, was putting being go on offshore. And I was going to people's homes, you know, and I mean straight up like you know plaid and all the whole thing lands in, you know, people people really do love that stuff um, in Maine. And I remember, um, and I remember going to these doors though and seeing people who were very different than me, mm-hmm. but whose needs were the same as mine. And, you know, they were like, I, you know, I just, I just want to have food on the table. I just want to have, uh, I just want to be able to go to sleep at night and know that there won't be a pink slip on my door. No, there won't be, you know, any issues with the heat. And so um, there was a nonprofit there created called Food and Medicine, because at the time people were having to choose between food and medicine. So they just made it like in like technicolor for me, this issue around um, money. And that so often we kind of make money sound like it's this bad thing, but really money gives you a choice. And it allows you to not have to choose between food and medicine. It allows you to have both. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that's how it started. And looking back on all of the career decisions I've made, every job I've had has been related to that question. Making sure, the question of how can we make sure people have financial security so they don't have to make these terrible decisions, um, you know, for themselves or for their families. Mm, thank you for answering that. You know. In that your in your response, you said, you know, I knew this was my purpose. This was how I was born for on this earth. When I leave, I know I will make a stamp in this space. And I'm 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 really I'm excited to hear you to express that. And the reason why is because there's so many people that are well into their careers that still don't know why they what their purpose is or why they're on this road or what they're gonna give back to society. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are chasing oh this is so funny it's not funny but it is just i love how this is working because a lot of people are chasing money right Mm -hmm. and they're moving from job to job because of money but yet you're here and you're saying hey my purpose is to make sure that economically everyone has an opportunity right so regardless of whatever money that's associated with that you building that up on your career but it's still like you know talk to the people out there that are just going out aimlessly, just going from one opportunity to the next one, not knowing where they really fit in mm. um, versus someone that um, is just laser focused on just one thing or two things, whatever, to really make an impact in the world. Mm. Well, I do say like, so I recently, you know, transitioned my, uh, my job to working for the Senate. And one of the things that um, even shocked me was that I was on a path and the path was very linear and very clear. And then moving over to the Senate, I was like, oh man, what does success look like now? You know, and so I would so I would say for those people who are feeling that way, some of them may be feeling that way because they're following this linear, linear path and they finally get to a certain level and they look around and they're like, this is not it. It's not feeling right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I was saying in that, in that regard is, you know, to check in with like your first your first love and or your first challenge. So my mom, um, and I, I'm so blessed to have my mother. So when I was having this really bad stutter and stammer um, in elementary and middle school, my mom would often read me the story of Aaron and Moses. And she would mm-hmm, say like, mm-hmm. you know, God chose Moses who had this severe stutter to be the leader of all these people. And ultimately he used Moses to speak even to the, to the people yeah. um, and, and Aaron, <laughs> but you know, also Moses. And so she said, you know, is it, is it possible, right? That God is using your 
deficit, your challenge as a way to be your blessing later on in life. And so I would let people do that as well. And then lastly, I'll do this. And so I facilitate this thing called Lead Weekend with an organization I'm a part of called New Leaders Council. And, and among that weekend, we do a lot of different things. But one of the things we do is we do uh, two, uh, we do a life map where you just mark out these major moments in your life. Um, you know, major hiccups, major revelations, uh, your first love, all that type of stuff. And then the other activity that we do is writing out what your dream day looks like. Um, and what was really it's such a good activity, and I encourage everyone to do it, you know, like 10 years from now, it's, it's, or in 10 years, what is your dream day? And uh, what I find is that when people do that activity, that gives them so much clarity about where their career should be going. So if you write your dream, your dream day, and you're not at your current job, that probably means, <laughs> you know, truly, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, you know, if your dream day includes you uh, surfing, you know, as like, as your, as your actual job, then maybe you should be looking into how you can make that a, a possibility. So I think that that's, a, those are, that's one way I might encourage people to go about this is sit down, you know, put some nice music on, get a glass of water and ask yourself 10 years from now, what do I want my day to look like? Mm, I like that. Go ahead, Marlon. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna go back to the. I, I like the. I love. I love everything so far, and you hit on a couple of topics that are very. Uh, people need to hear about, especially here on the Success Journey Show, because they're they're traveling. Now, as a consultant, you said you went to consult a lot of different um, small companies, big companies, whatever it is. What was the main thing for, especially for small companies, um, those mom and pops that are struggling right now? pandemic and everything but what was one of the what were some of the number one things that you saw in common with different small businesses that were that had them not at the level that they could could have been and how did you help them to get to that level yeah so it goes back to so many lessons were learned by my father and that one of the biggest things is is that you, is around humbleness you have to be quite humble to be a, a successful small business owner Mm. Uh, because you're going to pursue some activities that are going to work and then you're going to pursue some activities that aren't. And you have to be prepared to let those ideas, those projects, those items go. Like there's mm. no value in, in holding on to them because there's no market for it. Um, so that's one. But I would say the other is around understanding that, you know, most business owners get into business not because they love doing accounting, unless of course it's an accounting firm, they'd get into business because it's something that they love to do. Yeah. And, um, and yet in order to scale, especially in order to access funds from banks, you know, credit unions, et cetera, you need to have very strong accounting. Um, yeah. And so that's something that I would throw out there too, is figuring out, you know, if you cannot do it, if you choose not to be the accountant, figuring out some way of doing it. And I know that for some, you know, it's really expensive um, and then in that case, I would offer up if they can be very creative in their, you know, in how they're doing it, right? So it might be reaching out to the schools in your area and asking them, can, you know, can I work with, with a set of accounting students, you know, overseen by the accounting professor, right, to help me with these books. But I will say, too, a lot of these college students, especially right now, they are so committed to their communities, like, yeah. And they're, they're, they're pining for opportunities to work in community. So I would throw that out there. And then lastly, and I'm, I'm done, Marlon, after this is, would just be around, would be around the access to capital piece. A lot of businesses, you know, this is part of the challenge around racial wealth and equality. A lot of people, when they think about racial wealth and equality, they 
uh, view it as, as, as a personal issue, right? Like this person is not wealthy, this person is wealthy because of the choices that they've made. But in fact, it's very much uh, a, a over, it's, it's indicating all the different policy decisions that led to that moment. Um, and it goes all the way back, you know, to slave trade, et cetera. But then it comes all the way up to now where even, you know, three or four years ago, uh, Wells Fargo was found um, to have been selling um, certain loan products that were far more expensive and predatory to Black um, and, and Hispanic um, homeowners than not. So anyway, I share, I share all that to say that wealth is, is political, but moreover, what is happening is, is that we look at entrepreneurship, a lot of people are able to start their businesses with money of their own or money from friends and family. Yeah. yeah. And for those firms that aren't, and for those businesses <laughs> that don't have that, it makes it so much harder to get started. It makes it so much harder to weather these, like these, you know, these, these moments where you should be letting things go. Cause it might be that, you know, if you had $10,000 and you spent a thousand dollars on that machine, that's not working. You're going to be, you're going to be like, nah, I'm holding on to that machine, you know? <laughs> and so that's just another piece is just this access to capital and um, finances. You know, it's so funny. Um, you know, this, um, this GME, uh, thing that been happening in the stock market with the hedge funds and everything, it proved that everybody understands what um, systemic racism is. Because you can have, like our previous guest said, you can have the, 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 the opportunities there. So they set up a system that you should be able to walk into a bank, present whatever you need and get assistance. However, the access is not given. So mm -hmm. when, you give, when you give the facade of the, 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 the opportunities there, then it's easy to say, just like you said, hey, it was your choice. But that access, the redlining, the all the different things, the predatory lending, all uh -huh. the different things that they that 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 have been created and been used against can hold somebody down. And I noticed that a lot of people couldn't understand systemic systemic racism until it happened in the world of finance to these hedge funds and and small guys. So I want I I, I thank you for clearing that up. And I know from Warren, have you ever ran into a business that you were just like, man, these guys. <laughs> you know, without saying any names, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but that's what's so, but that's what's so great about business too. Like I would encourage you, for instance, there's just someone, on, if there's a traveler who's been thinking about starting a business and they might be saying to themselves, oh, my idea is so wild or whatever. Like, no, it's not. Like, you know, there's, there's nothing lost with trying something out. Yeah. Um, and in fact, sometimes it's those wild, right. wild business ideas that, you know, that work. And you're, and then you look back, you know, five, five, ten years later, and you're like, you're like, oh, I remember, I remember that, you know. Um, and so it's just a matter of timing. But I will say that too. Like sometimes, um, and I think this is one of the issues right now with society and with our, um, with all of YouTube and you know podcast is that it makes it sound like everyone needs to be an entrepreneur yeah right. an entrepreneur has all this kind of connotations like you're flashy you're, you're wearing the same sweatshirt every day and you're you know or whatever <laughs> and it's like it's like no it doesn't have to look like that you know it can look like a part-time <laughs> thing um it can look like you being a hairstylist or you being um you know a chef or it could look like a tech thing and so i think that's another part too like in terms of like maybe people are putting themselves outside of people think that I'm not an entrepreneur because I don't have a tech idea. And it's like, no, no, no. Like if you have an idea and people are willing to pay you for access to that idea or service, that's a business. 
Correct. But the key is they have to pay you, right? So otherwise, it's a hot. You know, it's funny, Marlon. I don't think we we even had planned it this way, but I think our last few podcasts had some elements of uh, entrepreneurship, business focus, whether the individuals each were um, entrepreneurs of themselves on their own business uh, or working with small businesses and, and representing them and trying to see them grow. And, um, I, you know, I know travelers, man, I don't, I don't want to, you know, we're not trying to pressure anybody to do it, but like Kylie just said, you know, if you have an idea, you know, it, it's, it's easy to go and, and register yourself, you know, um, as an LLC, even the sole proprietary. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's so easy to do it. It's, it's, it's almost like, why not, you know, why not? And I, I know a lot of people are scared to do. And the reason why I started saying that a lot of people are scared to do it because they don't have the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, can you talk about just the, just resources, information that people that, that is readily in their hands? Like one of our guests said, Hey, just say, Hey, Google, you know, Hey Siri, yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> it's so much out there. Can you, like, if we, we have a person that's out there right now listening and say, Hey, you know what? I have an idea. You know, what should I do first, you know, in terms of, uh, materializing this idea? Wow. What should I do first? Um, hmm. So what I would say is, is that most localities, like most municipalities, most cities, most towns, um, most counties have some type of economic development office. Um, and oftentimes they have a, a client facing small business resource center. So I would, I would offer that, that they look into that. Additionally, the Small Business Administration has the Small Business Development Centers, Women's Business Development Centers, uh, Veteran Disabled Business Development Centers. I mean, and we have SCORE, which is um, a mentoring program um, as well. So there's, and these are all federal programs, right, that are available um, to every, you know, every citizen um, and every American resident, I should say, even, I shouldn't say citizen, every every resident. So these are some of the things that are available um, to you. But I would say the biggest thing, I mean, there's, um, I'm forgetting the author's name, but he has the book Start. And what I would say is, is that sometimes, especially, especially when we talk about um, women and women of color, is there's this very this interesting kind of um, artificial uh, education level that we give ourselves. That, so we say, we say, well, I can only do start this once I've gotten this level of education, once I've talked to this many people, once I know that 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 this idea will work, um, which is worthwhile. I'm not going to say that that's a bad, bad behavior. However, that sometimes can slow your entry to market. And anyone who's been in economics for some time know that being first to market is one of the most valuable things your business right. can have. Um, And so, you know, I I think about, um, I don't know if you guys remember this or if your viewers remember this, but there was a time where there were like literally like 15 different types of scooters like running around town, you know, and what that happening was is that the first one to market, the first one that got out there ended up being the one that survived and all the other ones have kind of just petered out along the way Uh, or or they've been assumed right by larger companies. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just want to throw it out there too is that, you know, you want to be thoughtful. You never want to just start something. You never want to just throw money away. Certainly not. But you also want to say to yourself, you know, you don't want to set an artificially high level of education that you have to attain. You do not need an MBA to start a business. Oh, there we go. There you That's go. Most people are like, oh, I got to get my MBA. So yeah. now I got to pay yeah. thousands of dollars uh, to go get my MBA. And then now I can file for my LLC because I have an MBA. <laughs> <laughs> no. It don't work that way. So the book that Kylie uh, referenced, Start, is that the one by John Acuff? 
Yes, thank you. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. So just those that may be looking for uh, Start by John Acuff. Um, he's a, I mean, he's a, I love his, his books, man. He has some great, some really good, um, material. So yeah, check him out. You can go to Amazon or any other, uh, bookstore, Apple. Yeah, I and don't for know that matter, Ricky, there's another book too. I'm thinking about there's the, um, oh, it's like, it's like this call, like the, this call, like the MBA, but it's like a book instead of like the whole program mm. you know that I'm talking about. Uh, I have it in my Amazon. I, I can find it, but yeah, it's, um, essentially it's a, it, it's like, yeah, you just read the book and the author argues that the, all the concepts that he lifts up are the concepts that you would have learned in the MBA program. Is and it the you don't need personal yeah. MBA? Is That's it. That it. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah. Josh, uh, Josh Kaufman, I believe is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell yeah, you, it's, Kaufman. It's, it's funny that a lot of people think you need, you know, and I won't even, I don't even mention this person. I'll, I'll, just like I said, I'm going to keep it. Right? So, Somebody, somebody put me onto a book, the book "Rich Rich Dad Poor Dad," and it's oh it's, sure. Why are you talking about me? No, I'm joking. Right, <laughs> right. And when we did, when we, when we did, I only read part of the book, and I was like, a light bulb went off, and I was like, okay, I need to start acting, and I, I need to start start doing what I need to do. And this person, I was like, yo, look, you ready? And he, the person that gave me the book, and I, I like, no, I'm still doing some research. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's do some research. No, we're still doing some research. And I just said, you know what, man? I can't do it. I got to go in and start acting, right? And I just start going and, and doing whatever I saw in the book. I start implementing. There's a lot of people that I think, uh, speak to the people that just, like you said, they just, they just always do research. They want to come and they want to have the perfect idea because when they come, they think everything's going to, if they do all this research, when they open the business, they're never gonna come to a rough patch. Mm -hmm. speak, to, speak to those people and, and, and what yeah. approach, when you're talking about first to market, that's part of it. I, I want you to expound a little bit more on that. Well, what do they say? You know, while you plan, God laughs. So I think what ends up happening is, is that, um, again, education is important. Like, you know, in fact, yeah. most, most people who do entrepreneurship actually do it after they've after they've been in the work after the, they've been in the field for a while so these are people who worked for a while and say okay i could do this myself or maybe people who've gone on to get certain degrees or whatever and they say i can finally jump um and even franchisees are a great example of they're actually they're trained on how to be a franchisee right by the um by the larger organization so i i get it like i understand it and i appreciate it i think what i would say for people who are keep on researching is the is the maybe ask yourself you know Inaction is a decision. So asking yourself, like, well, why am I not moving? Like, it, it, it's quite possible that not everyone's going to be an entrepreneur. It's quite possible that you don't want to be an entrepreneur. And that's okay. Like, it's okay. Like, you know, like, hug it. You know, be, be still with it. Embrace it. And knowing, too, that, you know, I think about, um, uh, gosh, yeah, Maya Angelou and how she talks about and how when you look at her story, you may have thought, well, she was never going to be a writer when she was, when she was dancing. You know, she was like, what? No. But then she, later on in life, it, she picked it up. Um, Anna DuVernay, De, she too has only become kind of, you know, a director really later, right, in life in her 40s. So there's no there's no right time to start a business either. So if right now you find yourself researching, 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 you're not comfortable, you know, you have bills, you're not, you know, whatever, that's okay. You know, realize that, but make sure you've made the decision. Like you never want to be in a position where you've never made the decision and then you regret 
you know, like, oh, I just thought about it, but I never, I never decided not to or to do it. But make that decision to do it or not, um, and then just move on. But I do think a lot of us, I think this is COVID has made that happen too. A lot of us are sitting in this very like opaque moment. Like people who are looking at getting married, for instance, are kind of like, oh, I don't know, like maybe we will, maybe we won't, but maybe, you know, maybe there's value in you saying, we're not doing it in 2021. We will do it in 2022. And then you can go sleep happy versus you like waking up every day and being like, oh man, you know, vaccines is going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, granted, am I talking about personal experience? Maybe. But like, I mean, for real, you know, make your decision, you know, know why you made it, write it down too. I think that's a great habit. Write down your decision, why you made it. And you can always reflect back on it. You know, five years from now, when you're kind of, you know, hitting yourself, you're like, why didn't I do that? You look back and you say, you know, at that moment with the information I had, this is the decision I made. And I'm going to trust who I was in that moment who made that decision. Mm. Information. Yeah, yeah. Rich trust who I was in that moment that made that decision. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people get frustrated, man. They definitely get frustrated. And, you know, everyone, I know everyone can say, hey, you know, I wish I would have, I wish I would have done this. or why didn't I go this route and whatever it may be. Um, and it just builds frustration. It just builds frustration. It builds a lack of trust in yourself. Yep. Um, that, you know, I'm not capable of achieving my goals. Uh, and then all of a sudden the, the, the whole fear uh, concept is like, okay, I'll, I would never make it to uh, this level or I, I, I'm, or one day my money may run out. I'm not going to have enough money in retirement. You know, it's like <laughs> all these different things start coming up because you don't trust, you know, who you are. Uh, or who you were at that at that mm-hmm. moment, and ah, that's powerful that you said that. So you know you are you know you, you grew up in Cali, in Jersey, in in um, Pennsylvania, in West mm-hmm. Virginia, all those different things. You traveled all over uh, the nation. And I know you had you've done some international traveling as well, but you know out of all those places that you travel to, what's one like really stands out, out to you the most? as saying, man, I really wish I can really impact this area, whether it just be economically and help to develop, or maybe you just want to be there to impact it by giving money because you want a vacation there often, you know, like, yeah. what, what's your best, what's the, tell me both sides of it. See, yeah, you, Ricky, you, you, you threw me off because I thought you just, I thought you were going to say, who, where'd I have the most fun? That's what I'm telling you, I had the most fun. But yeah, that's, what, that's what I, that was my last question was, where do you want to spend money and have fun and relax? All right, there uh, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to give me both of those. <laughs> um, yeah, well, the most fun I definitely had um, was in Dominican Republic. And um, I, uh, I've been trying to learn to speak Spanish for years. And what was so great, I was in Dominican Republic for 14 days, um, and it was amazing. I had a great time, and my Spanish got better, and um, it was one of the few places where I've lived, or I've gone, I should say, where people, many people assumed I spoke Spanish when they saw me, as opposed to other places, and that's important. If you want to work on your Spanish language, like, you need people to just think you speak Spanish, and not, like, you know, you don't, you know, you know, so that was... Yeah, how, did you, how did you get that look? How, what did you do for that one? Like, is it a certain eyebrow, certain, like, just... <laughs> Just because awesome, there are people who look like me, and yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> so that was good. You know, I had a Dominican hair press. Maybe that was it. I don't know, but um, <laughs> it was um no. But I mean, amazing people, so warm, so friendly. You know, great food. Um, and for me, again, just being able to speak this language, I, I just love the Latin culture in general. But and I should say, being able um, to go there and learn about 
the history and the people. Um, I just, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. So that's a place that I really, that, that, that has a special spot in my heart. Um, and the sand was great too. Yeah, yeah, now, in terms of a place I would like to impact, um, I would have to say, you know, I live in Baltimore and I would love to make Baltimore a more equitable, um, economically equitable city. I just think um, if I, when I drive around Baltimore, there are people who are making, who are unable to make decisions because of financial constraint. You know, there are people who are really, really struggling in, you know, the wealthiest nation in the country and one of the wealthiest states in the union. And I just think that that is just, um, it's just unfortunate and it can be fixed easily. I, I do believe that. Like, it doesn't take much. Mm. I was just um, listening to a podcast um, uh, and they were saying that to end childhood poverty would cost something like $190 billion. Yeah. When you think about that, it's like, what? Like, you know, like we've been talking about childhood poverty and we talk about it in this like very like, you know, um, heady, yeah, yeah. heady way. We're like, oh, there's no way it's impossible. And it's like in the United States, we could, we could do it, you know, with, with a couple of tankers and a, and a submarine, you know what I mean? We could, we could fix it. And that's just, now granted, I love our armed forces. Don't get me twisted. Okay. But at the same time, I'm just like, I'm like, what could we do? You know, um, anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's all right. Now I'm going to ask you this. I, I'm, I, I, I'm going to want you, I'm going to take you up the task when you said it's very easy to fix Baltimore's problem. So I want you to oh. kind of give a genesis of, because Baltimore was that textile place that was booming back in the day and some things happened, textile left. And, so I want to know how you do that. But before, yeah. so before, you know what, go ahead and, um, uh, and tell us how you think while, while it's hot on the stove, how you yeah. it's real easy and just start giving people a little backdrop of what, what's going on in Baltimore. Yeah. And you know, Marlon, why should you have to pull that out? You're right. You're right. It won't be, it won't be like turn the, turn the light switch on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it won't be like, you know, um, but what I mean to say is that, so this is, this is true. So we've been in this economic inequality space for over 400 years. For over 400 years, that's what that's that is what America has looked like. It has been a place of have and have nots, and it's been a place of you know as long as you are able to extract value for people at a lower you know a lower price than what you can turn that that item or whatever around for, mm -hmm. that's why you build wealth. And that's a, you know time and again, right? Like you look at every you know looking at slavery, looking at why we had to. Why we had unionization, you know, in the 1920s was because, you know, the capitalists or whatever were, were making them so people were working dangerously and just offered a benefit and the profit margin, right, of the company and or the owner. So this has been going on and on and on and on and in Baltimore. So I, uh, the story of Baltimore is a unique one in that some of it has to do with kind of the, that historic approach to capitalism. Certainly there have been big firms in Baltimore that have not, you know, necessarily paid their employees, you know, the highest wages, right? So that's part of it. The other part of it is just um, keeping track with trends. And I love this. Like, I remember talking to a, a small business leader and he was saying like, small businesses need access to capital. They need, you know, good finances, yada, yada. But he said more than anything, they need to understand macroeconomic trends. Mm. So when, what that means is you need to know where the world is going if you want you know, to be a successful business. And I would argue the same goes for cities. And I think what may have happened, and even and the data proves this out, is that 
while other cities were transitioning to different types of economies and different types of approaches, Baltimore City was not. Now that's one part of it. The other part of it has to do with, you know, um, uh, with, with uh, the uh, introduction of certain drugs, uh, of the uh, white flight, um, certainly that was happening in the 40s and well, 50s and 60s. 60s, yes. Like, that was in 60s, 70s. Like, that was a huge part of it, no doubt, for Baltimore because we lost so much of our um, tax base. But I would argue part of why that was able to be done was because these big time, you know, the, the employment centers no longer, like it didn't, you didn't have to be near your employment center. Sometimes the employment centers had left Baltimore for other places. Yeah. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's, those are some of, those are some of the issues. But what I would say about now and why, why I think that there are ways, and I'm really excited about the possibility of infrastructure and doing some huge investments is that when you look at what Roosevelt did, it was a jobs program, it was a guaranteed jobs program. And I actually think that there's a lot of value to that. I remember working with um, Summit OIC. Oh, that came right back to me, that's amazing, um, in Minnesota. <laughs> and the, um, the executive director said, he said, the best social program in the world is a job. Mm. And, I, and I, I agree with that. I think that employment gives you so much, especially um, you know, as an adult, right? It gives you something to do. It gives you something to look forward to. And, it, and there's a very, you know, we we are all super. We are all um, we're all like you know. If you look at like you know, when people say like we're all apes or whatever, but you know, we all work under a very simple award system, right? Mm -hmm. You work, you get paid, and you're like, all right. Now, yeah. could you have been paid better? Could you have been paid more? Certainly, but it's a very clear connection you can make between the two, and that's the reason why again, the job is such a good program versus like a social program where it's kind of like you have to hump, go through all these hoops and you may or may or not get the treatment you deserve. And all, you know what I mean? It's, it's a very um, regressive, oppressive programs that we have right now, I think in the United States in terms of people's being able to get access to benefits and et cetera. But nevertheless, let's go back to the job thing. So when I think about Baltimore, I think about, could we do a guaranteed jobs program in Baltimore so that everyone could have a job in Baltimore? Could we look at um, certainly the wages in Baltimore and then the last part will be really figuring out a way to support home ownership. Home ownership is primarily the driver of wealth in America, even now. And one of the opportunities in Baltimore is that um, um, is that there is a way to house everyone in the city. If you know, we just have to re you know re remodel our beautiful homes. Um, but there is a way for that. And imagine, imagine if all these people, especially these people of color, have been living in the city for decades for generations finally have a home that they know is theirs outright you know and, and imagine the change that that can make for a family in particular lastly i'll end with this is that a lot of people when they think about home ownership they think of it like, like oh that's nice no 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 that's a wealth like machine Correct. you can borrow against it you can use it to demonstrate your ability to acquire more credit. I mean, it, it, you can rent out rooms. I mean, there are so many ways you can make it a profit-making machine. And so many of us, um, certainly certainly people of color in Baltimore City just don't have it. And I think that that's a huge, um, that's, that's one way. So anyway, Marlon, so to answer your question, is it easy? No, but could it be done? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, there have to be a couple of things, I think, uh, just listen to what you're talking about. I'd, I, I'd have to say the, you, like you said, the infrastructure will have to be, uh, have to change, of course. And then of course, you'd have to um, bring in companies 
that are willing to do, not just say, hey, we're going to go to these um, areas that, that we're supposed to build up, but then, like you said, take all the money out of it. At what cost? We don't care about the, pe the, the, the people down there. You'd have to get that. And then the mindset of the people there because of, yes, because they've been there in that situation so long, they're kind of broken and they don't understand, just like you say, in the home ownership to generational wealth is not uh, that they don't understand that path. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it, man. Kylie, really appreciate you just coming and just chopping it up with us and just sharing your story, your perspectives and just your insights on just just life. And um, we uh, thank you for just, you know, giving us the opportunity to pick your brain about, you know, the small businesses and things of that nature. Uh, before we let you go, we always like to give our guests an opportunity to share if anyone wants to get in contact with you. Uh, what would be the best way or follow some of the things that you're doing? Uh, what would be the best way for them to do that? And um, also one of the question that we have for you is if you can go back to, I just like picking random points. Let's say the, 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 the girl that just left Cali, right? Let's go to that, go back to her. Uh, and you knowing what you know now, you had one minute to talk to her. Like you just met her in the airport and one minute, to share something with her, what would that conversation look like? Mm. Okay, so to stay in contact with me, uh, feel free to just connect with me on LinkedIn. That's like my like my go-to. Um, and what I would say uh, to younger me is one, uh, they will tell you that you take too long to ask questions because of your stutter. Mm -hmm. Don't let that stop you from asking questions. And I think that that can apply for the rest of my life. Never stop asking questions. Love it's always more to learn. Love it, love it, love it. Well, yeah, travelers, cool. listen, we come to the end of another show. We want to thank you for staying with us and just tuning in for another week. Listen, you can catch us not only on any pod, podcast platform, but you can go to our, our website, read a little bit about our, our guests that we have on our, on our blog. We also, you also can go to YouTube uh, and see this, this visual of us, you know, see our faces uh, and, and Marla's nice and clean, clean cut. So he won't get in trouble um, with his, his uh, higher ups and his peers. Uh, also, you can go to uh, 21 The Net uh, Internet Radio, where they have over 2 million listeners uh, on a daily basis listening to their shows. So man, there's a lot of shows on there as well that you can tune into music and things of that nature. So listen, guys, uh, we're here for you every single week and we love doing this. Why? Because we know we're walking on a journey and we're, and we're walking with you on your journey. So we will see you again next week at the same time, the same place on the success journey show. All right, everyone have a good one. Peace. You've been listening to The Success Journey Show, where your dreams, drive, determination, and diligence are the foundation to success. For more information, check out thesuccessjourneyshow.com. The Journey Squad is here helping you to your destination.